Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Who Magazine's Binge List, your weekly guide to what's worth binging on Aussie TV. I'm your host, Matt Denby, and joining me are TV experts Claire Rigdon and Gavin Scott. Welcome, guys. Hello, Matt Denby. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. This week we're talking Queer Eye, Younger, Body Hack, plus a lot more other great shows you may not have heard of yet, and one dog that we're looking forward to tearing apart a bit later on. (laughs) But without further ado, let's get into the first one, and Queer Eye, it's going off. Things just keep getting better for Netflix's Queer Eye reboot. The boys have just been in Australia stirring up a lot of publicity, although arguably they don't really need it. The show's already been a huge success, with season two available from June 15 on Netflix. Claire, what do you think of the new episodes? Oh, I love this show. I love it. It's like, I feel like we've been doing a lot of real-life crime shows and we've been watching a lot of sort of spy dramas and stuff. And um, so it feels really nice to be chatting about this show because it's just unashamed feel-good TV and it's done really well. Like every every episode's guaranteed to make you cry but, like, happy happy tears. And, uh, yeah, I, it could feel really exploitative but I actually don't find myself eye-rolling at this. I actually really like it. It's a sweet show, Gav. You're looking at me with your nose turned up. <laughs> <laughs> you cynical, cynical man. Yeah, it, it might be the cynic in me. And, and look, this is a nice show, but I, I maybe I'm hard-hearted. I just don't care enough about other people's lives. Oh. <laughs> so and it does remind me of... Backyard Blitz and shows like that where they take the family out, the family you put down on their lark and, you know, there's sob stories and hugging and all that kind of stuff, and then they bring them back and then there's the reveal. It, it's really just uh, another version of that and, you know, I'm just not interested. Sorry. Well, I think the teams are generally very likeable and, you know, although I've seen hours and hours of this show, I'm still struggling, though, to remember who's who in terms of their names. Of course, I remember their personalities. You know, there's the out-there-hair guy who I've sort of belatedly realised his name, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> I find him a I bit... I call him hair guy in my Yeah, head. yeah. I find him a bit abrasive sometimes, but he's certainly uh, the one that stands out from the flock. And, you know, you have the formerly religious blonde who apparently is named Bobby. Um, and then you have the food guy <laughs> whose food isn't that amazing. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, I've been using it to break up my binge viewing of The Staircase, which can be very heavy viewing. And then, you know, when it gets too much for me, I just flick over and watch A Queer Eye. It's not depressing. It's not too dense. It's not too complex. We all know the formula. It's reliable light entertainment. And I do like it in short hits. I think the episodes could be a little, little shorter than they are. I agree with that. I fast forward them, yeah. Like I watch the beginning bit and I'm like, oh, this is sweet. And then I go, zip it, zip and then I get to the end and I'm like, right, let's see the reveal. <laughs> Does anyone else do this or is it just me? I did that today with all eight of them. I wanted to get a set <laughs> wanted to get a sense of what all eight of them were about and I was kind of like right watch the first five minutes yep got it and go to the end and I did yeah. 
I, I quite like the the ten minute condensed version of these episodes. But I, I agree with Matt about there's no Carson Cresley yet from from this crew. I mean, Jonathan. I disagree. No, no, no. Hair Man. Yeah. Jo- oh my God, it's all about Hair Man. Right? He he comes closest. Well, it, dep- it depends. I know Anthony gets a lot of attention, not for his food, because what does he do? Chop up an avocado every so often. Yeah, yeah. He loves a bit of guacamole, doesn't he? But he's getting a lot of attention. He he's the pretty one who gets yeah, all the um, flat out babe, man. I feel like Tan and Bobby. Tan is is the fashion guy, and Bobby the design guy. I feel like they're probably the strongest in terms of what they bring. Um, um, because they are really good at what they do. They aren't just chopping up an avocado or putting some nuts in a bowl. Mm. They're completely <laughs> transforming the people, the way they look and, and their habitat as well. So I think they're quite good, the, the little bits that I have seen. Yeah, I, I really like the British-Pakistani guy. Um, yeah, he's re- I, for me, he's like the most genuine we actually spoke to the guys when they were on that publicity trip to Australia and uh, we asked them about living up to the impact that the first incarnation of the show had and here's what they had to say. We felt a lot of pressure to make it good, I'd say. I don't think... In the beginning, we did feel a lot of pressure to kind of replicate it. But right in the very beginning, we all sat down and we really had deep conversations about how we could make it our own and how if we had went into it trying to replicate it, it would not be successful and not that the first generation wasn't amazing it was just had its time and place and ours has its time and place and we wanted to figure out how to make it our own i think i think we did listen the og fat five they created a freaking amazing path but we're walking in our own shoes and we're doing a hell of a job i say well they've certainly made their mark that's for sure although there is no carson yet i'm sorry there's not um, I like the fact that the concept of the show has been expanded from, uh, you know, a bunch of know-it-all gay guys making over the, the lives of clueless straight guys. I mean, in this in this incarnation of the show, they've got um, the team helping out gay guys, they've got in, them helping out women, they've even got all sorts of different people. And this season, they're, they're helping out a, a trans man by the name of Skylar. And it's my, oh, I really liked that episode. That is the best episode that I've seen so far of season two. It's really moving, it's really emotional, and yeah. it's very of the moment. It is nice to see them mix it up. And I guess it, it isn't called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy anymore. It's just called Queer Eye so that they can do that, I guess. Uh, do you know, I didn't even tweak to that until you said it just before. I was like, oh, yeah, it's not. Yeah, this season's got a lot of really emotional moments. Like we were talking about the episode with Skylar. I thought, you know, the, the way they were helping him through this uh, transition, changing his image, the the scene where they got, uh, fitted him for his first um well-fitted suit it was just really powerful the emotion in that scene was fantastic i like the yeah. way that this show is breaking down the old barriers and it's it's so current and contemporary they've really updated the whole concept even though it's not really for me i do appreciate that this is on tv and as you said claire at the start it is nice to have a break from all the horror and crime and <laughs> death and killing so yeah if you want a break from all of that do watch queer eye but just don't expect me to well, the age-defying Liza Miller is back for season five of Younger on Stan. This fish-out-of-water comedy set in the New York publishing industry seems to be defying the critics. Uh, 90s TV guru Darren Starr is back with his hands all over this. It's, glad, it's good to see that he's still uh, getting out there and doing some work. Um, for what was arguably a one-joke concept, Younger certainly mm. has legs. But is it still funny and is it still, well, ageless? Gavin. Yeah, so if you haven't watched Younger, it is about 40-year-old Liza Miller, who was married, she spent 15 years looking after her daughter, who's now a teenager and off in India on a sabbatical. She's getting a divorce, her husband has racked up gambling debt, so she's having to sell the house, and she wants to get back into the workforce. And she used to work in publishing, but uh, publishing is a young woman's game, especially trying to re-enter at the level she needs to re-enter. So... 
instead of saying that she's 40 after a string of job interviews where that doesn't really go down so well, she says she's 26 and she gets a job and therefore has to keep up the pretense of being 26 the, the entire time. She works alongside someone who is actually 26, Kelsey, played by Hilary Duff. And over the four seasons so far, a few people have found out her secret. Now, obviously, Sudden Foster is an amazing-looking actress. She can pull off, you know, maybe looking like she's in her 30s, but can she pull off looking like someone who's in their <laughs> late 20s? I don't know. What do you think, Claire? Oh, yeah, I think the answer to this is no. She's sensational and, like, she's got an amazing body, but I just find her insufferable. Maybe that's because I'm her age and just the thought of trying to pass myself as 26 is just makes me feel a little bit sick to my stomach. I would not go back to my 20s for all the money in the world. Right. Look, I know I know a lot of people love this show and I, and I have to admit that I did obsessively binge the first season. I feel like the joke just went really thin and about halfway through season two, I just, oh, I just totally bailed out. And, and, you know, I just really feel like the show is just pretty unrealistic. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I wanted a resolution way earlier than I got it. What do you reckon, Matt? Look, I, I went from season one of this show to season five, so I'm left wondering <laughs> if there's been a bit of concept degradation because it seems like the whole issue of her age seems to have taken a back seat and it's now moved on to other issues. Which, which is fine. Yeah, fine, other, right? yeah, yeah, other issues like, you know, the Me Too thing and, uh, you know, even millennial bashing. It's all, it's all grist for the mill on this show. Um, it is sometimes very, very broad. It almost goes into sketch comedy stuff. Like I was kind of amused by the the, the whole parody of the Game of Thrones fandom and uh, you know, the, the the author who is always groping uh, Princess Pam Pam, yeah. and, then, and then something <laughs> happens to him regarding his appalling behaviour. It is entertaining. It is funny. It is silly. It is light. But eh, has it lost its way? I'm going to say it may have. Yeah, I, I think it would be better off if they had just wrapped up the whole age thing in, you know, season one or season two. It reminds me a little bit like Suits. And in yeah. Suits, Mike Ross has is lying about being a real lawyer. And that went on and on and on. And four or five seasons in, he's still lying about being a lawyer and trying to keep up this pretense. And it really held the show back. It wasn't able to move yeah, forward beyond that. And I feel like you, that's a little bit of the problem with the Younger as well. It's like, seriously, wouldn't they all know by now? And kind of can't we move the show forward? I think sure. Shows are really good when they keep reinventing themselves. And, yeah, this was a great opening premise, even though it was kind of a little bit unbelievable that she was 26. And now it's like, why don't we move on to something else? Yeah, but something does happen in the first episode of the most recent series that that um, sort of points to the, to the fact that it's going to move in a different direction. Mm. So I'm not going to say what that is um, because a lot of people probably have watched it yet um, or caught up to speed with it. So, like, it does promise to kind of veer off in another direction. But, um, yeah, for me, I'm with you, Gab. Like, it just, it's taken too long to get there. Although I do kind of love that, I don't know, I do love that love triangle thing. It's a bit like a big Carrie Aiden kind of thing. What do you reckon, Gab? Yeah, the love triangle is really good and they are dragging that out. At the end of season four, it um, it all blew up in Ireland when Liza went to Ireland to Josh's um, 
green card wedding wedding. over there (laughs) and things happened with Josh and then she has got back and things are going to happen with Charles. I think I find it quite amusing that her two love interests are called Josh and Charles because I always keep thinking of Josh (laughs) Charles, the actor (laughs) from The Good Wife, who was part of that other great love triangle, also with Chris North, who's big in Sex and the City. It's like six degrees (laughs) of love triangles. But um, I don't mind that they're dragging out the love triangle because that is the core of the show. That should be the heart of the show. Yeah. I don't care if she's 40 or 26 or whatever. No, it, neither do I. But no, I totally. am interested who she's going to choose and which way it's going to go. And, and, Claire, you have a vested interest in this, don't you? Yeah, I do love the whole Josh versus Charles thing. I do love it. I love it. It is good. And it's at the centre of so many shows, including Sex and the City, which, of course, was a Darren Star show. So, Matt, you yeah. would have watched a bit of Sex and the City in the day, maybe seen some 90210 and Melrose Place, which are all Darren Star shows. How Correct. do you think this compares to his other masterpieces? It's not <laughs> a masterpiece. It's not a cultural landmark. People will not be talking about this in 10, 15, 20 no, years. No, I don't reckon. But it's very competent. It's enjoyable. I did not find it a trial to watch at all. I certainly wouldn't uh, make it a part of my life voluntarily. But it's competent, fun, interesting, Uh I understand why people like it. I just don't know how long they can keep this concept going, though. Do you know why, though? Because they're 25-minute episodes, and I know I bang on and on and on about things taking too long and too many episodes, and the episodes are too long, but Younger, the thing it does well, it does it in 25 minutes every episode. Yeah, I do love that. And that is one good thing I would say about Younger is that it's short and sharp and to the point, and it doesn't drag things out for 20 minutes of hugging and crying like Queer Eye. I did love yeah. the brevity of this show, I've got to say. I think that's a big plus for Younger. Who magazine's binge list? It's TV news time and Todd Sampson's Body Hack 2.0 is getting a lot of attention on Channel 10 where it airs on Thursdays at 8.30pm and it's also available on 10 Play. Todd himself seems pretty happy with the reaction so far. He recently tweeted, quote, Who says young people just want to watch Kiss It, Date It and Leave It Only? And I think he's right. <laughs> Although it's not on air on June 14, it's back on June 21 with an episode where Todd really puts his life on the line like never before. Claire, he really does go all out, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. I just watched the um, June 21 episode. Um, You're going to want to watch this, everyone. I mean, the first episode caused a lot of controversy. It had a lot of people watching it. Um, But June 21 is fantastic because it sees Todd head deep into the Amazon jungle to live with a tribe who actually only made contact with Westerners something like 50 years ago. And in this episode, we see him hunting and eating sloth Oh, my gosh. The Let's internet's favourite animal. Yeah, my God. But the, the, the main – it's not about that at all. But it, the, the main part of this is about the fact that this, this particular tribe um, consume a particular type of frog poison called akate, which is supposed to heighten their senses, giving them the ability to see in the dark and spot animals and all sorts of amazing stuff. And Todd, bless his cotton socks, he's like right into it and he's like, yep, go on, give me the frog poison, I'm going to give it a go. Now, side note, frog poison makes you really, really, really sick and very high. And we actually get to see (laughs) Todd, like the cameras are rolling as Todd basically, uh, I guess the equivalent of like goes shrooming on television. It's, um, It's pretty fascinating the lengths that he goes to in this show, like, I've, I I don't know, I find this totally fascinating and good on you, Todd, for, like, just going there. Gab, what do you reckon? Well, I, I always assume watching these things that there's no way he's going to put himself in real danger. All these people like yeah. him and Bear Grylls and, and Matthew, uh, Michael Mosley, who does weird medical things on SBS, 
I always think, yeah, they know what they're doing. They know the the line that they can go to and they don't cross over it. But it seems like in this episode, maybe he does cross that line a little bit. He does. But but to be honest, he ha- actually has two doctors with him who are monitoring it all. I, I, I don't know if I'm making this up, but I feel like one of them has even a defibrillator or something with them just in case his heart stops, you know. So, like, I... I actually want, and I know a lot of these kind of shows are smoke and mirrors. I don't know if you've seen the one with the guy that used to be on EastEnders and he, um, Ross Kemp, I think. And and sometimes you feel like when he's in his flak jacket and he's, you're like, really? Are you just over egging this little bit and putting him in a favela and just going, it's really, really dangerous. But I like to believe that Todd actually does, you know, that he's actually a little bit in danger with some of the stuff he does. Maybe I'm just being massively played. But I don't know. I feel like, yeah, good on him. It did, yeah. It, it does seem like that, that, that there is real danger in this. And and for me, the show is like an extreme travel show. With, with, yeah, totally. With penis yoga. It's, it's... <laughs> yeah. That won't mean anything if you haven't seen the first episode. No, no. And if you have, you'll never forget <laughs> it. But um, it, it's great to see him off in these far-flung places doing all these weird and wonderful things. But do you know what? I'm, I'm going to talk about the, the time factor yet again. I could just do with a condensed five-minute version. I'd like to watch the goggle boxes watching Todd Sampson. <laughs> get, the, get the general gist of the, you know, one-hour episode in five minutes and go, yep, got it. Okay, great. Look, I think Gav, he's... do you think you need to? Do you think though? Sorry to interrupt you, but do you think, Gav, you need to focus a little bit on <laughs> on extending your attention span? Like, like, oh, maybe it's maybe the fault's on you. Maybe you just can't, like, you know, keep interested for long enough. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm totally with you. I mean, except for the fact that you're reprimanding me on air, I'm. <laughs> I, I agree, though. It's all this second screening and the fact that we as, um, you know, TV critics have to watch so many things. It's, yeah. I'm kind of like, next, next, next. And sometimes when I do enjoy a show and I feel myself grabbing for my phone or, or my second screen, I sometimes have to go, okay, put it down. Put it down. Watch what you're doing. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. With with this one, it's not the type of show I would watch. I'm more your drama comedy type of person. Yeah, so right. I kind of feel like get in, get out quickly. But, um, but Matt's a bit of a fan of this. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think uh, it's great that... Channel 10's taken a bit of a chance with this is not the usual um, primetime formula for them at all and apparently according to Todd's, Todd Sampson anyway, uh, the first episode actually got pulled from Discovery uh, Channel in the US which is uh, the, the channel that's screening it because it was just too full on. I think that's probably because oh. of the alleged cannibalism scene in the first episode. Or maybe they're not into penis yoga. Yeah, maybe, you know? maybe not. Maybe it was that. <laughs> I thought the episode where he was in Mosul in Iraq was really, really powerful. Um, it, on the edge of your seat kind of stuff with him being shot at by Islamic State. Um, it also imparted a lot of uh, really impressive information about um, stress management um, on top yeah. of all this footage about, you know, soldiers being shot at, teaching all these techniques like grounding, which I'd never heard of, which is this technique where you notice three things around you and that grounds you when you're in the middle of an extraordinarily oh, right. edgy situation. Yeah. So I think I think this is going to appeal a lot to young men, which is an aud- audience that isn't watching much TV these days or certainly not much broadcast TV. I yeah. think it's um, great that something so different is doing so well and i think if you love watching edgy tv this is the one for you binge list brought to you by who magazine right uh it's that time of the week again to binge or not to binge gavin you've been watching condor on stan 
I have been watching Condor, and we were talking last week about Killing Eve and, and how it was so refreshing to have a spy drama that was funny, that had two great female leads and, and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was really refreshing. Uh, Condor is very much a traditional spy thriller. It doesn't mean it's bad. It, it's just the kind of thing that you would expect when someone says spy thriller. Uh, it's mm-hmm. plenty of action and it takes itself quite seriously. There are lines like, I already sent the assignment to the assets. Things like that, which are, you know, proper spy stuff. Now, it's it's based on the novel Six Days of the Condor, and that was the subject of a 1975 film adaptation, Three Days of the Condor. I'm not sure where those other three days went. Uh, And that, (laughs) that film starred Robert Redford and Faye Dunaway. And obviously was in the world of the 70s. This uh, new series is very much a modern spy thriller. It centres around a character played by Max, son of Jeremy Irons. He's called... He's a hottie. He, yeah, and you get to see a lot of him. You, you get to see his butt in, in the first episode. And, uh, you do. He's, uh, he's, he plays this guy called Joe and he's written an algorithm. So not only is he hot and fit, but he's also really smart and, and technically savvy. And this, Triple threat. Yes. This algorithm identifies potential terror threats. It was meant to be be used overseas, but the CIA are using it in America. And Joe is all conflicted about it because there's invasion of privacy issues and data collection issues. And, you know, he doesn't really like that side of it. Well, why did you write it? But um, yeah. it, it makes it quite timely and, and, you know, of today's era. Joe's very likable, and although he works for the CIA, he's kind of on the periphery of it all. He's not really a spy. He, he's kind of like the support staff for the spy. But when things go down, and, and things do go down, he uh, he's kind of thrust into the centre of the storyline, mm. and he um, he has to run. He has to run a lot. He, yeah, he runs a lot. He runs a lot. He gets very sweaty, <laughs> running, running, running around. Um, look, it's a, it's a very slick, well put together thriller. Brendan Fraser is in it, playing this dubious type of character, and you don't really know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. I'm obsessed with him in this. He's so. I feel like I haven't seen him since Encino Man, and like I'd seen some kind of like memes with him. Like he's lost all his hair. I'm obsessed with his strange wispy hair. <laughs> He's actually quite good in this, though. He is, he is. And William Hurt is also in it, and then Mira Savino. So I would say it's quite bingeable, but, um, yeah, don't check this out if, if you want something new and exciting from your spy thrillers, but do check it out if you want a really solid, well-put-together, well-produced, exciting kind of thriller that ticks all the boxes that you've had from previous spy thrillers in the past. Yeah, but still give me a homeland any day. I'm sorry, I would I would take Claire Danes and her and her crying face, and Sandra O oh is a massive, brilliant Eve over this any day. I don't know. I, I liked it and, it, and it hooked me in. But after having watched um, Killing Eve last week, there's just no comparison. I just am not interested in all of this rehash stuff. Like, I feel like I want more. Like, I, there's so much good TV out there. I'm not sure if I'm going to commit to this, but I'm going to give episode two a go. You just want to see more of Max Lyons' butt, don't you? Yeah, he is a flat-out monster. Okay, thanks, guys. Well, listeners, the bad news is that I've been watching Instinct, which is airing on 10 and available on 10 Play. Mm. Let's cut to the chase. This really is generic network crime drama crap. Yes, crap. It's definitely a by-the-numbers police procedural. The old formula of brilliant agent played by Alan Cumming, haunted by his evil subjects, whom only he can understand. The only change is that the protagonist is a man who has a husband. Uh, That's a husband who doesn't want him to give up his domesticated academic life for a career chasing insane killers. 
Uh, Cumming is eccentric weirdo archetype par excellence, um, partnered (laughs) with a no-nonsense female cop. The upside is that at least there's not going to be any sexual tension cliches between these two. No Mulder and Scully. It was a bad sign when we had introductory dialogue like, don't they call you Professor Psychopath? The dialogue is stilted, (laughs) heavy with exposition and often just awful. Um, Surprisingly, Whoopi Goldberg is absolutely dreadful in this. But her lines what? would, yeah, but her lines would really challenge even Meryl Streep. I mean, she says something like this, quote, you made being a freak cool. You used to be a man of action, but now you're just tweed jacket guy. That's what she has to work with. Oh, no. Yeah, look, I haven't actually watched this. That sounds like a, that sounds like a plonker. Yeah. Um, there's nothing really wrong with enjoying Formula TV. If you love this genre, cop procedurals and serial killer hunters, this is competent enough, but that's not enough for me. If you don't, you'll struggle to get through the first episode, let alone binge it. I'm going to say leave this dog alone. Woof, woof. It definitely you are stinks. Really going there. It stinks. This show. I call it Instinct because it's so bad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> See what I did there? Um, but it's oh, I don't understand why Whoopi Goldberg would do it. I mean, she's got her egot already, so maybe she's just like phoning What's it in. What's an egot? Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Oh right. Okay. She's one of the few so just, who has it. So she can just you know retire and do the View, and she'll be fine. Yeah, so why does she need to do this? I don't know. But the thing the thing that I could not get past in this show is Alan Cummings' die job. Mm. In the what good, do you mean? Well, in The Good Wife, he was kind of had this like naturally looking greying hair and he's got a really bad dark brown dye job in oh, this show. Oh, how weird. And I'm not a fan of gentlemen's like bottle jobs. Definitely Ugh. not. I could not get past it and, and for all the other reasons um, Matt said, I, I agree. It's, it's just, yeah, bad. Why are they still making TV like this? I, well, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? There really seems to be a divide between network TV and stuff that's dropping in the states on services like Hulu and and um, Amazon and and Netflix, etc. I don't know. I'm quite interested. What's um What's the Aussie actress Boyana like? So she's the offsider who's teamed with Alan Cumming, the the like blonde young uh, CIA FBI whatever she is agent, and so she's kind of the yeah like the serious all about the job type woman. But um, I mean she's fine, isn't she, Matt? Yeah, look, I think uh, as I think I indicated, even the best of the best of the best are not going to fare well in this show. You can only work with yeah. the material you're given. It really annoys me when. There's so much money is poured into these kind of shows. Like, how do they get it so wrong? Good question. Okay, not every great show gets the attention it deserves, as we well know. And this week, our hidden gem is Barry, which is available on Foxtel On Demand. Claire, you've seen it? Oh, Barry. This this has passed so many people by, and it really shouldn't, because it's, it's flipping unreal. And if you're a fan of Saturday Night star Bill Hader, who's one of those guys that kind of pops up in all sorts of movies and all sorts of like bit parts and you're like, oh, that guy, that guy's awesome. I love that guy, but you never really know who he is. You're going to love this. I mean, he is in practically every scene and he's great. So Bill is actually the co-creator along with a guy called Alec Berg who uh, who actually wrote and produced Curb Your Enthusiasm and Silicon Valley, two really great comedies. But, um, but yeah, the premise is just hilarious. So it's about a hitman who's played by Bill, and he's a former Marine who falls into kind of contract killing after he returns from action. He's, he's jaded from his career choice, and, and look, he's just kind of, he's just not that into it, a little bit like um, 
Villanelle on Killing Eve, <laughs> maybe. But um, he so he's required to fly to LA to kind of take someone out, and he inadvertently finds himself taking part in an acting class, which is just so weird. So he's scoping out his next victim, and this is where he meets Henry Winkler, plays the acting teacher, and a whole heap of like ridiculous actor types, LA actor types. But here's where it gets really bizarre. He gets bitten by the acting bug. And uh, he decides, you know, that he's going to give it a crack. Like, he's going to have a go at becoming an actor. But everybody needs a day job, right? So he, he's just going to keep, you know, he's going to keep killing in his spare time. But, um, yeah, I mean, this show is just so, it's so strange. Not strange in a Kimmy Schmidt kind of a way. But just it's got a very, yeah, it's got a very, well, I love Kimmy. But but it's got its own feeling. And, um, and the supporting characters are all really great. Like, these actors, it's a bit like Search Party in that, you know, they're all kind of really annoying and like, oh, we've all got that friend that wants to be an actor that thinks they're, you know, the bees knackers and you just, you know, you have to go and watch their community theatre projects and you're like, oh, my God, you're so annoying. <laughs> but anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of people like that in this. But really it's all about Bill and Henry Winkler. Like it's just so good and it's really funny and it's really worth discovering. I'm surprised, it, yeah, it didn't have a higher profile when it – because I think it started in about March or something on Foxtel. Yeah, ages ago. But the thing is it keeps making all these best of the year TV lists. Like mm. Variety is a big fan. It's got really great reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got, you know, the Hollywood Reporter love it. Like all these kind of quite sort of reputable um, – Obviously, the binge list love it. Like, I love it. So, you know, just put me in that category. But, yeah, like, it's it's kind of it's a bit of a it's a bit of a creeper in the same way that Search Party is. Like, people are discovering it and going, oh, this is really good. So, yeah, I think if you're um, if this sounds up your alley, it's definitely worth having a look at. Sounds interesting. Let's check it out, everyone. Who Magazine's binge, binge, binge list. Okay, thanks everyone for joining us this week. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to Binge List on iTunes or Omni. Next week, we've got a whole lot of great stuff for you. We're going to be looking at Wentworth and First Dates. And a whole new era of Dr. Blake. What's going to happen there? Claire will be filling us in on what's happening. If you want to uh, talk to us, we're all on Twitter. Uh, look out for I am Claire and Gavin Scott ninety nine and Mr Matt Denby. Tell us what you think of the show and also suggest what you'd like us to talk about. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.